0: Money FM 89.3, best of the evening runway. The Washington Report. On FM 89.3, it is now time for The Washington Report. I'm Elliot Danker. And of course, we're going to talk about Henry Kissinger, a U.S. statesman that cut a divisive figure in his lifetime. In fact, he, of course, regarded as one of the most powerful U.S. diplomats of the Cold War era. You might remember last week, passing away at the age of 100, a giant of international diplomacy was lauded by many for deep geopolitical acumen that guided U.S. foreign policy during the 1970s. And all this in the normalization of ties with China, stabilization of Arab-Israeli relations. So how will Henry Kissinger be remembered here in Southeast Asia? And what does his legacy mean for the future of U.S. relations with the rest of the world? Well, let's uh, find out more from Pushan Dude, who is a professor of economics at INSEAD. Professor, good afternoon. How are you?
1: Good afternoon. I'm good. Thank
0: you. Big news, of course. uh, Last week, one of the most powerful diplomats in U.S. history, Henry, Henry Kissinger, passing away at his home in Connecticut last Wednesday Day, aged 100 How will we look back at his legacy, Professor? Would you consider it more positive than negative? So I think he's
1: best described as a polarizing figure You had a deep impact on world affairs But I think history will see uh, him as flawed Now at the height of the Cold War, as you said He was the international face of America So Kissinger saw himself as a realist That you know, people and nations are sort of movable pieces On a gigantic global chessboard but many of the choices that he advocated when put into practice were actually quite amoral and led to really bad results. Now he did notch up some foreign policy successes like the ones you mentioned the opening up of China, bringing the Yom Kippur war to an end uh, in the Middle East and starting nuclear limitation talks with Soviet Union. But as soon as you go away from there, if you think about Latin America, Kissinger was the face for US support for like really brutal military dictatorships. Uh, he was the chief architect of the US U.S. policy that led to the coup in Chile, the military junta in Argentina, in Brazil. And closer to Asia, he prolonged the Vietnam War, you know, the and sort of tolerated atrocities by a U.S.-backed Pakistani military in Bangladesh. So, and even if I look at all the foreign policy achievements, China, Middle East, uh, Russia, none of these actually produced lasting solutions. What are we grappling with today? U.S.-China tensions, a belligerent Russia invading neighbors, And Hamas attack on Israel exactly 50 years after the Yom
0: Kippur war. That definitely puts things in perspective, Professor. So what are we looking at as far as U.S.-China relations? What does this all mean? Considering that China, they called him, uh, I believe they called him a dear old friend of the Chinese people. It hasn't changed anything. It's not to say it's made it worse, but how do we move forward from here? So there's a lot of affection for
1: Kissinger in China. So he was the first American official who traveled in a clandestine fashion. He was smuggled in actually from Pakistan, you know, and that led to Nixon's visit to China in 1972 and eventually the opening up of China, which was transformative for china and for the world but you know it was uh, kissinger who actually also put the taiwan issue to the side and sort of you know the u.s eventually formally acknowledged that that there is a one china policy okay mm-hmm. they were they were of course not very clear about it and he visited china more than a hundred times so okay. in china he was called the double centenarian he lived to a hundred and he lived and he had visited china a hundred times uh Now, Kissinger's view is that nothing is permanent in the international order, okay, that nothing is set in stone, and he actually admired the Chinese diplomats, and he called them the scientists of equilibrium, artists of relativity, so that's why there were lots of fond ties with China.
0: Mm. Professor, if you don't mind me uh, wanting to expand on that a little bit, you did mention early on some of the things that Kissinger's been criticized on things like the the Vietnam War, for example. What can the United States government, if we're looking for positives here, what can the United States government take away as learning points from the time of Henry Kissinger?
1: So there are a couple of things that I think that Kissinger believed which was correct. Uh, well, So one thing is that the U.S. is, sort of preternaturally isolationist okay whereas kissinger believed that isolationism actually leads to weakness and that they should that the u.s and other countries should have the national interest complete you know that should be sent to stage okay so we see that that whenever there is like an existential threat that the u.s faces think about nazis during world war ii the okay. communists uh, threat during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, the U.S. politically unites and sort of engages with the world, but at other times it sort of disengages. Yeah. Now, what is happening today? Today we are in a multipolar world, right? And the U.S. is scrambling to address threats in Europe, Middle East, and China. So, my this thing is that, you know, again, like Kissinger, you know, the U.S. will be more realistic about that. You know, we've transitioned the international. Order has changed Mm -hmm. and not be extremely aggressive in terms of its interactions with any of these places, especially China.
0: All right. Professor, let's move on and talk about India responding to a U.S. indictment contending that an Indian government official was behind a plot to kill an American Sikh with a pledge to investigate all the relevant aspects of the matter. What does this do to U.S.-India relations?
1: So this will complicate U.S.-India relations to be sure now india is being courted by the us and other western powers as a bulwark against china so this has bought it considerably leeway in terms of you know the policy stances it takes and even its behavior at home where the indian government has been cracking down to some extent on the press on ngos and even companies like Twitter and Facebook. Now, both India and China are eager to counterbalance the rise in China, but uh, I expect that the U.S. will actually look past the assassination attempt. Uh, You know, they will address it quietly. In fact, they they released a very measured statement, and India also will respond quietly in a measured way. India, for instance, promised to take the matter seriously, unlike when Canada raised these allegations. So I see all of these are bids not to escalate the issue. So I think the U.S. will compartmentalize this issue and quietly put pressure on India.
0: No, it's uh, quite a balancing act that President Biden's got to do here. U.S.-India, U.S.-Canada relations. If we look ahead to next month's quad, which is uh, U.S.-India-Japan-Australia diplomatic partnership in India, he obviously we're expecting uh, the U.S. president to attend this, or are we not? Is that meeting or that attendance in jeopardy right now?
1: So I think India has made the right noises so far. So they have signaled that they will do an investigation and, you know, that, uh, and, you know, be that they will desist from doing such activities in the future. So I think they will carry out an investigation. The transparency and reliability of that investigation you know will be contingent on how things go about but i would keep a close tab on this so if we see for instance biden making an excuse even if this is couched as uh, that i need to focus on the israel hamas conflict and he refuses to go for the meetings of the quad then we should interpret this as a sign of deep happiness and this would actually be a blow to prime minister modi's carefully cultivated image as a player on the world stage. just think about the g g20 yeah. uh, summit so I think, but at least, you know, if I when I look at the public statements, you know, they are making all the right noises so far. So, and I think, you know, eventually Biden will go because, you know, the Indians will, will promise
0: some results. Well, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll watch out for any potential excuse and we'll surely want to follow up with you again, uh, Professor. Thank you so much for your time. I've been speaking with Bhushan Dude, who is the Professor of Economics at INSEAD. Thanks again, Professor. Take care and have a great Monday evening. Thank you.